Big takeaways from preseason week number one. We've seen every football team now in the NFL have an exhibition game. Our biggest takeaways, including some of those young developing quarterbacks. Coming up on today's Peacock and Williamson. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next-level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock alongside Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL on the socials. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Become an everydayer. We love the everydayers. Subscribe on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. I want to start not with the quarterbacks, Matt. I want to start with the offensive linemen, the guys yeah. up front, because it has a big impact on how the quarterbacks play in the NFL. And I was watching the 49ers game, as I do, host of Locked On 49ers, by the way, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribed up. Find Matt doing Dynasty football. Probably a lot of takeaways from preseason football over there at Dynasty, at Locked On Dynasty football as well. Yeah. Um, offensive line play was really bad in that football game for Trey Lance, and he didn't have a, a much of a chance at the beginning of the game to develop a rhythm. And then I remember seeing a couple other games where I felt the same way. And when you pair a young quarterback with – you know, the second team offensive line in a lot of cases, it doesn't turn out well. And then I ran across this nugget from Warren Sharp, which provides some context to those quarterback performances in preseason week one, talking about pressure rates and just astronomically high pressure rates for some of the quarterbacks in the league. I'll, I'm just going to name the quarterbacks that were 50% or higher pressure rate. So half of the is a giant number, by the way, right? So Russell Wilson was pressured 64% of the time in his preseason week one game. He <laughs> led the league. Next was Jake Browning, 63%. Jarrett Stidham, 59%. Uh, Nathan Rourke, who I don't know who that is, 53%. Uh, like, uh, look, the, this is preseason football. Matt and I watched a lot of preseason football. We didn't watch every fourth quarter of every preseason game. No. We are not that sick, uh, but we are, we are sick individuals. Um, 52% Tommy DeVito, Mason Rudolph, 50%. Are you familiar with Tommy DeVito's work? I'm a, I am not as well. I think he's Danny's son. <laughs> you, you almost had me sold on that for a second. I was like, oh, good. Acting could work out for me. Uh, sorry, game. I could help myself. Chris Traveler, 50%. Gardner Minshew, 50% pressure rate. Brett Rippon, 50% pressure, pressure rate. Trey Lance that I brought up, which made me think of this. 50% pressure rate. Jake Hayner, 50%. Adrian Martinez, 50%. Stetson Bennett of the Rams, 49%. On and on and on and on and on. And you go down the list, Bryce Young, 43%. Will Levis, 42%. Neither yeah. one of them looked great in this game. And like I'm going down. There's, there's probably 25, 30 NFL quarterbacks that were above 30% pressure rate in preseason oh. number one. So offensive line play behind defensive line play, just a big nugget of context while you evaluate the quarterbacks in some of these preseason games, especially young quarterbacks getting their first hint of real football where they can actually be hit and things are for real, for real, you know, full speed where in practice, even when the pads come on, they're not quite full speed. So I think some of this might normalize as we get further on in the preseason. So don't make sweeping 
conclusions about young quarterbacks who are seeing their first action getting pressured over half of their dropbacks? I think this is such a great place to start as opposed to Bryce Young looked terrible, Trey Lance looked terrible. I mean, well, there's Russell Wilson looked terrible, blah, 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 blah. Because how often do we say on this show, and I can't stress it enough, I mean it to no end, the D linemen are better than the O linemen in the offense in, in the NFL. They just are. They're freakier. They're velociraptors. They're Mako sharks or cheetahs. They're, you know, they're they're just nasty human beings. But also, to your point, O line play takes longer. You know, I mean, the protection schemes I'm sure are very basic. They're not game planning to double Max Crosby or Micah Parsons or even the fourth quarter version of that guy. You know, like if somebody's struggling. The coaches want to see it, you know, like, boy, you're right tackle. Always bring back the Steelers. Broderick Jones played the most snaps of all the Steelers in this game, and they didn't help him at all. You know, I mean, just you go be, go be out there, learn the hard way. I mean, there's a lot of that going on. And, and you know? linemen work more as a unit as well. So you see a lot of exactly. plays where a guy didn't necessarily get beat by the man in front of him, but what he did was he was supposed to slide right or slide left, and he slid right. And he thinks he's got help over there when he actually doesn't. And, the, you know, and so it's the left guard sliding right because he thinks he has help, the left tackle. And you don't know which one made the mistake. They know in the coaching room, in the meeting mm-hmm. rooms, but watching the game, you don't know. But the offensive tackle stays left and blocks the guy off the edge. And so there's a defensive tackle that's running free and defensive tackle right at the middle can ruin a play as quickly as anybody. And so you see a lot of that type of stuff. It's not even just about the offensive linemen individually playing bad and getting beat. They have got to play at a cohesive unit and have protection rules that sometimes they can get screwed up on top of everything else. Really well said, you know, twists, stunts in live action in an opposing, in a stadium that you've never played in before, you know, linebacker blitzes, you know, slot corners coming off the edge. I got them. You got them. Ah, it's too late now. I mean, the quarterback's under pressure. So there's definitely some of that. However, I mean, all those things add up. That's why. That's fine. But I listen to Mike Lombardi's part, podcast all the time, and he you know, talks about things through a GM's eyes. And he really believes when you go into preseason game number one and the preseason games as a whole, you better feel really confident as a GM in your number one offensive line and your number two offensive line. You know, th- otherwise – it's really hard to evaluate your offensive other players. You know, how you value – I mean, quarterbacks are obvious. Bryce Young's getting destroyed by the Jets' defensive line. Did he hang in there? Yeah. But was he able to even execute the play often? Not really. So, therefore, your running backs, your receivers, your tight ends, you can't evaluate them as well. And it's difficult. And the other thing about line play, and this was a big thing with Broderick Jones, who I brought up, the Steeler game was in 110 heat in, in, in uh, a kickoff. Those guys, they have to play every snap when the regular season rolls around. You know, your wide receivers can rotate, your edge guys can rotate, but your starting line in week one is going to play 100% of the snaps unless an injury happens. So you got to get them conditioned as well. You know, like that was a big thing with Broderick Jones. Leave him out there in the heat. See how the rookie first rounder holds up. You know, so it's definitely harder and it'll get better, but it's a problem. And it's not a surprise that almost all of these players, young players we're going to talk about, it's like, oh, they found the rhythm. They got a little bit better as the game went on. Yeah. And this is a lot of the reason why. And that's uh, you you brought up Bryce Young. Let's start with the number one pick in the NFL draft and the Jets Panthers game. And this is a perfect example of what we're talking about. The New York Jets have been practicing a week longer than everybody else. They've already played a preseason game 
and they looked mm, much better, much more prepared, and much more in rhythm start to finish than the Panthers did, beating them 27 to nothing. And, you know, the scores don't matter in any of this, but we saw a young quarterback in Bryce Young. Things are probably going a million miles an hour for him. He's seeing his first full-speed action in the NFL. And guess what? The team's already, he's playing against, has already got their legs under him a little bit, has been practicing longer, and has already played a preseason game. And you saw that play out on the field. And so, uh, you know, Give Bryce Young credit for at least hanging in there and didn't have a didn't play a ton, but four or six passing, 21 yards, you know, very short, three and a half yard average. Uh, did get sacked once, but overall, you like that he hung in there, but didn't have much of a chance. Great point about the teams that played the Hall of Fame game at least have, first of all, they came to camp a week earlier than everybody else. They, they've been in a building playing against another team where some of these, you know, Will McDonald, first round pick of the, uh, the Jets. Looked really good in the Hall of Fame game. Looked really good in this game, too. Had a sack. He had five pressures. So, Carolina fans, I warn you not to get too down because the Panthers' O-line, I thought, was a strength, you know, going into the season. But it's their first time, all the reasons we talked about to start the show, against as good a pass rush as there really is in the league. I mean, way back when I did that, one of my Excel spreadsheets of, who gets the most pressure and blitzes the least? The Jets were number one when you look at both. You know, when you factor in the, the four-man rush or like per rusher, how many you get. So, and it's a rookie quarterback that doesn't recognize things well. So, I wouldn't fret too much, but it was a bit of a tough watch for the the first overall pick. And you saw it on the other side with Zach Wilson, who took his lumps in preseason. You know, in the Hall of Fame game, he looked much better here. Fourteen of twenty passing, played a you know a lot. Uh, 123 yards, a touchdown pass. So um, that's that's the big takeaway there with the offensive yeah, line. Yeah. Well, let's see how these guys start to look week two, week three of preseason, and, and things will settle down for them, I think, quite a bit. And you, you you already saw things settle down for them as these games went on for players that, that played a lot. Real quick, last note on the Panthers. What do you think about, from a fantasy perspective, the receivers there? They went three wide mm-hmm. to start, so the starters were Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, and the rookie Jonathan Mingo. Um I, I came away thinking, you know what? I think Adam Thielen might be the player to own here. He's not a high ceiling player, but I think he's a high floor player that might be targeted the most in this offense and might be worth rostering in your fantasy leagues. I tend to agree. I think Hayden Hurst is a little bit sneaky because he's been mm. around the block too, and he's a safe option for a rookie. Um, you mentioned the the dynasty show that Ryan and I do. I've been stashing Mingo left and right. I'm a big believer, but as a rookie, eh, I don't know. I think Thielen, you probably nailed it. I mean, he's a leadoff walk. You know, he's not exciting, but you'll take it. And Terrace Marshall is was the next guy up, and he's, yeah. you know, a pretty good player too. So I, I'm really interested to see how that all works out and who ends up getting targets. It's probably a team you want to stay away from. But it, I, I can't wait just thinking, you know, Adam Thielen's going to be the first read on a lot of routes. You're probably right. I'm not a big DJ Chark believer, so that's good. It's feast or famine. He's not going yeah, yeah. to be a volume player for you at all. 100%. Next, we are going to talk about some other young quarterbacks around the league, our takeaways from preseason week number one. Today's episode of Peacock and Williamson is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. August is here, and you know what that means. It is officially Fantasy Football Drafting Month. Again, championship ready for your home league by trying out best ball on Underdog Fantasy. I'm already in my, what, third, fourth best ball draft. You can go I fast know. draft, 30 seconds per between picks. You can go slow drafts where there's eight to 10 hours in between picks. Matt, how many best ball drafts have you done so far? 
at least a dozen. Yeah. I love it. And all you I do with, yeah. with the best ball draft, super fun this time of year. You do one live snake draft. There's no waivers, no trades. You don't have to worry about setting your lineup at all throughout the season. Underdog sets your best lineup every week. Whatever your top scoring lineup would have been, it is automatically set. You don't add players. You don't lose players. You draft your team, and that is it. So try it out with Underdog's Best Ball Mania Tournament, the largest fantasy football contest of all time is back and even bigger with $15 million of total prizes up for grabs, including an absurd $3 million going to the winner. Last year, the winner drafted their team in July, so don't wait around. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them on the App Store and sign up with promo code Locked On to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code Locked On. Let's stay with the NFL draft theme here and Anthony Richardson mm, yeah. uh, and the Indianapolis Colts here. You know, a few takeaways from this game, uh, the Colts and the Buffalo Bills. And first of all, DeMar Hamlin getting into uh, the game for the first time since he had his cardiac arrest last season in that Bengals game. And so the the big takeaway, we saw it on, what was it, Thursday night when John Mechie, who battled leukemia last year, got on the field for the first time. DeMar Hamlin back on the field, being involved with, you know, tackling somebody. And you kind of hold your breath. You see that first contact he makes. And, uh, I mean, just a shoe-in already for comeback player of the year just to see him on the field. So great stories. John Mechie, DeMar Hamlin, I I wanted to call those out before we got too far. Yeah, I mean, there is a a personal, a human element to all this and that's just absolutely tremendous and hey i as well as everyone listening is rooting for hamlin to go on to have a really good career and be an impact player and i I also have meant to say this for months people were down on how the bill's season ended and you know josh allen fought through a bad elbow injury to start end the year but imagine this happening to your teammate and trying to go win the super bowl you know what i mean like People forget these things. And, and uh, do you think that helped the Bills season? You know, I mean, boy, the Bills are losers. They can't win the Super Bowl. Like, did you realize what they just dealt with? And to bring it back to a really business angle, and I hate to do this because I don't think it'll apply for him, but there's not even a guarantee this this young man makes the team. You know, like, like what a story it'll be if he gets cut. You know, like that's, just, oh, that's yeah. The NFL is just so brutal. That's all I mean. I'm not talking anything about Hamlin. I'm rooting for him. He's a pit guy. He's a Pittsburgh guy. No, it doesn't matter where he's from, but he might get cut. You know, like this league is brutal. Anthony Richardson, what were your thoughts on him? Again, one of these players, he started very slow, had an interception. Uh, the, the numbers don't look great. Seven of 12, 67 yards with the pick. He didn't get sacked in this game. Um, Gardner Minshew was one of the players that was 50% pressure rate. Anthony Richardson available to uh, uh, able to avoid that pressure a little bit more than Minshew did against the uh, the Colts. And I know that that offensive line is a little work in progress, even though it's a really good offensive line. And, and one of the players that, that had a rough game was a rookie right tackle, Blake Freeland, uh, who I liked coming out of the draft. But, you know, he, you know, he struggled a little bit in this game, too. Uh, at right tackle, he was playing with the, with the number one group Blake Freeland was. So, um, again, some offensive pl- line play that wasn't ideal. But Anthony Richardson started slow, but kind of picked up the pace a little bit. Yeah, I mean – I'm glad you mentioned Minshew. Minshew looked like a – there's a handful of those type of dudes, Baker Mayfield, Minshew, et cetera, that have been around the block that aren't great players but showed that they can handle these situations. They've played a lot of preseason reps. In all Where, these games – sorry yeah. to interrupt, Matt. In no, all these games, we saw it with Darnold and the 49ers and, and even Brandon Allen, the, the third-string guy in this game for the 49ers. And 
uh, around the league, Davis Mills versus CJ Stroud, the veteran player looked a lot more comfortable, which you exactly. should expect. Again, so the Colts fans don't be like, oh, we've got to start Minshew in week one. These are just the growing pains everyone deals with, you know, and Richardson was almost exactly like you expected. I mean, he threw a bad pick early, but he's really mentally tough and physically tough and hung around and kept getting better and better. There were throws that were errant to say the least. I mean, we're high and, you know, high and off balance and, or high and wide or whatever. And, you know, hit, hit the mascot type throws here and there, but he also made tremendous plays and his presence on the field is undeniable. I mean, like, Watching Cam Newton back in the day or Josh Allen just get on the field and be their physical presence amongst other unbelievable athletes. Richardson has all that and maybe more. I mean, he is so big and powerful. And, you know, it's different watching him in Florida. But, I mean, when you get to see him the first time in a Colts uniform, you're like, man, wow. A couple other players that stood out to me in this game. Uh, rookie receiver for the Colts, Josh Downs. couple of catches, 29 yards. And then on the other side, I've been really impressed by Khalil Shakir, who's a fifth-round pick by the Bills, what, was Good it last on. year or the year before? Uh, he had a couple catches for 25 yards. He's sudden in and out of his breaks. I think he could start to creep in and, and get a little uh, target share for Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. So that's a name to remember. Maybe, uh, you know, deep, deep fantasy leagues, possibly someone to, to stash for you. I like both those guys. Great call on Shakir. I mean, they went out and got Kincaid in the first round and going to use him a lot in the slot. Uh, and I was, I've was i always kind of thought to myself, why don't you just bump up Shakir's use, usage? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying instead of, but maybe in addition to. So maybe these middle-of-the-field guys that are very different can be really helpful for Allen. And that's kind of what Downs is, too. I'm glad you brought them. I mean, he's a slot that you know, is much different than the receivers that Colts have. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to talk about the young quarterbacks and, and some big stories with the with both the teams we cover, Matt, the Steelers and the 49ers. You can listen to Locked On 49ers if you want the long version. I'll give you the short version of what Trey Lance looked like and Sam Darnold with the 49ers in week one. And I talked a little bit about it at the beginning. Uh, Lance was under pressure a lot, especially early. And when he wasn't under pressure, things looked like they were not processing very quickly for him he threw a couple of bad passes that could have been intercepted that weren't in fact his touchdown pass in this game the only score the 49ers had in this game and they were they were beat pretty soundly and, and did not look as prepared as the las vegas raiders and apparently in the joint practices the raiders won a lot of those and jimmy g outdueled all the other quarterbacks hmm. so that was an interesting storyline locally with jimmy g now in las vegas um but even the touchdown pass lance threw could have been picked off it went off the hands of a raider and ended up in tied in Ross Dwelly's hands for a touchdown. So not a great day for Lance. He did get better and kind of found a rhythm uh, as the as the, the first half went on, and he played the entire first half. And again, that's what Lance needs the most. And then, I mean, it's kind of unfair to have a guy who's played as much football as Sam Darnold, uh, an, another former number three pick, to be playing in the third quarter of the first preseason game, right? And he looked like more of a veteran, looked better from the start he made some bad throws but made a lot of good throws as well and i thought maybe brandon allen who was playing in the fourth quarter and he was probably a guy that started this game last year uh in in preseason week number one uh looked better than than both of them really decisive hmm. got the ball out quick was hitting his running back in the back of the head who hadn't turned around his head you know didn't turn his head quick enough and uh he did have uh an intercepted ball that went right through a receiver's hands so um, the later in the game it got, the better the quarterbacks looked in the 49ers game. And I, I would say Lance looked 
the worst out of all of them, and really? he's going to look a lot better to whether he's auditioning for his current team or his next team. Interesting. And so, you give me. Do you want the Steeler Bucks recap here real quick, or are we going to get a break on the other side? I want to talk right. Justin Fields and his yes, very, very interesting performance in preseason Week One as well. Next. Today's episode of Peacock and Williamson is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Football season its getting ready to kick off for the regular season, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. How about this bet at FanDuel? Right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time that team wins a game in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus points for every victory. And you can use those bonus points as the season goes along on spreads player props over unders tons more i love building parlays at fanduel the website is super easy to use as is the the app safe when you win you get paid as well which is always very nice for uh an, an app so visit fanduel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets right away with america's number one sports book that's fanduel.com slash locked on all right, give us the Kenny Pickett report. You talked about Broderick Jones a little bit on the offensive line, the uh, Steelers' first-round pick. How did year two Kenny Pickett look? Did he look look more like the young quarterback or more like the uh, the veteran version that we've talked about today? So I need some context for this game. Is I mentioned the Heat. It was the second hottest game in the history of the Steelers organization. It was like one ten at kickoff. Insane. Oh my like my buddies that were like sideline reporters were like melting, like they were frosty the snowman. But anyway, <laughs> so. Uh, Baker Mayfield played really well. Kind of mentioned that before. Good for him. But the rest of this Bucks team, the Steelers' opponent, was about as easy as opponent as you could ever see. Like, think about the Bucks. Like, they went all in for Brady and all those guys, and they won their Super Bowl. Now they have ungodly amounts of dead money, and they sat and they have what eight or eight to ten good players remaining, and they sat all those guys. So. The Bucks middle class is junk. You know, they got the stars, Evans, Vea, those type of dudes. But the middle class is really bad because they can't pay for those guys. And Tampa scored 10 points really, really late in the game when scrubs were in. But basically, the Steelers utterly dominated them because they basically played – they played their first-team offense just for a series. Kenny went down, tore him apart. But Pickens had a big play after the catch, middle of the field. That's stuff we haven't seen before. So Pickett looks very, very much in command, but I warned Steeler fans over and over, this was as bad an opponent as you could see, and they had like a dozen penalties for like 160 yards too. But real impressive on both sides of the ball from the Steelers. I think it's going to be a long year for the Bucs, but it'll get better when their stars come back. How about uh, my guy Calvin Austin the third? didn't have a run for the Steelers last year. He flashed a little bit in this one. He's been flashing a camp, too. I mean, he that, that was his first time ever being in an NFL stadium because he got injured in camp last year. Ridiculously fast, jet sweep stuff, but he's not just a gimmick guy. I mean, he lines up in the slot. He lines up outside. He's going to challenge Allen Robinson as the third receiver, and they're just very different. They'll probably be more situational. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a return guy as well, I'd imagine. For yeah, him. yeah, punt returner. Interesting. Okay, and... Let's yeah, move on like to the uh, the Chicago Bears. And oh, by the way, you know what? Because I don't want to forget. I, I want to congratulate John Harbaugh and the Baltimore Ravens for their 26th, Matt. 26th yeah, straight preseason victory for 
for John Harbaugh, narrowly edging out the Eagles 20 to 19 in preseason week number one. They started slow, so they had to come back in this one as well. Yeah, I thought they might be in trouble on this one. One thing I found interesting, though, is Huntley didn't start. And if they're changing the offense dramatically, Josh Johnson got the start. Is Huntley no longer the number two? Is he no longer a, a real fit in this offense? Is it more of a Josh Johnson, slightly more traditional type? That was the one note I took from that one. I didn't see a lot of that game. But I also find it interesting that they care so much about preseason. I mean, it's working for them. That's cool. But I really hope for their case sake, they don't, somebody doesn't get injured trying to get the, you know, the, the record or whatever. You know? Yeah. And you just kind of feel bad for a guy like Melvin Gordon, who's playing way too deep into a preseason right. one right. game based on what his career has been. Um, and, but yeah, Hey, I don't know. You, you play to win. There's yeah, something yeah. I guess I don't know. They, as long as you're not having any big time injuries, we saw it with J.K. Dobbins a couple years ago. Uh, that could backfire real quick. I mean, I guess it's the right message. I mean, winning is contagious in a good way, but scares me a little. Yeah, really excited to see what that offense looks like. Yeah, me too. Me too. And the Chicago Bears, Justin Fields, right away finding his new toy, who is DJ Moore for a 60-yard catch and run. And how about this this box score, this line for Justin Fields, who i got to pull it up again because I lost it. But it was three of three passing was Justin Fields for 100 and... 129 yards on three completions. Two touchdowns, perfect passer rating, 56-yarder to Khalil Herbert, 62-yarder to DJ Moore. Like, I'll take it. (laughs) <laughs> 43 yard average per completion, three of three passing for Justin Fields in a total of, I think negative, negative air yards on those passes. That's what I love about it too, because oh, right, yeah. it was a wide receiver screen to DJ Moore. He did all the work. He scrambled left, found Herbert who scampered 50 something yards. And so those were the two touchdown passes. And so it's not so much, oh, man, look at the line. Justin Fields, he's arrived because he was three of three and got the ball out quicker. No, it's that he has people helping him out now. So yeah. he doesn't have to <laughs> right, play right. throw ball and do everything. So that was my big takeaway there is like other guys doing the work for him. And that will that allow him to just take the easy stuff. And uh, I'm excited for what that Bears team looks like after talking with Lauren Cox as well, blocked on Bears to end last week. Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm glad that it looks like Herbert's clearly the number one back. DJ Moore is obviously the number one receiver. That's a huge help. We did talk a lot of O-line stuff with them. And again, the box score is way better than what Fields was asked to do. But that's the great takeaway is he doesn't have to do everything this, this time around, you would hope. So good stuff. Played two series. Did exactly what you wanted. Very encouraging. How about the quarterbacks on the other side? They let Will, Will Levis and Malik Willis handle the entire game. Uh, and looking at the line and, and watching some of this game, neither one of them looked very good. The question with Willis is how much better did he look last year? Cause he looked completely lost as a rookie. He was 16 of 25 passing 189 yards, no touchdowns, an interception sacked four times. Will Levis also sacked four times, uh, nine of 14 passing for 85 yards and no touchdowns and an interception. So equally poor lines for both of those quarterbacks. Yeah, Levis made a few throws. Okay, Willis looks kind of like he did as a rookie, which is encouraging. Um, both of both of them held the ball too long behind a bad offensive line, too. You know, like that, that's tough on these guys too. Is learning 
how to get the ball out quickly in an NFL you know, scenario. So that's our biggest takeaways. Matt, do you have any more before we go? Uh, I, that, I'm out of notes. Those are the, the main notes mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure we covered here from preseason week number one. Uh, again, I don't have deep notes into the fourth quarter of every single one of these games, but uh, there, there was a lot of fun players to watch and see some guys in new uniforms for the first time. I'm sure I'm forgetting some notes, but uh, that's probably a good way to tease the Thursday show too. Um, if there's somebody you want us to talk about on Thursday, um, you could tweet us now and we can get into it. I mean, Deuce Vaughn comes to mind. We always talked about how little he is, but he had a really good game for the Cowboys. So that was kind of noteworthy. I, I watched a fair amount of um, Raiders Chiefs yesterday and Derek Carr's fitting in really well and looked very, very sharp. And I think that's noteworthy because it's a new team. I mean, not yeah. noteworthy that a starter's playing well, but right. Well, uh, and yeah, Derek know. Carr, one of the few starters, Fields, Carr, Pickett, mm-hmm. some of the few teams that actually put their number one quarterbacks out there in preseason week one. Yep. And you like to see them look like it, you know. So I, I real quick, I mean, let's wrap this up, but. I would imagine next week we see the most name brand guys. Yeah, some of, yeah. every team's done this a little differently as we see in week one. Some teams didn't care at all about the preseason game. Some teams had their number ones out there. Uh, week Preseason week two, I think we're going to see a lot of teams treat it as their main get-ready game and have their yeah. ones out there the most. And I think some and then treat preseason week three – like they used to treat preseason week number four. And I think the opposite is true of the other teams where they're going to have their number ones out there more for preseason week number three and just treat it as one, two, and three always were and just not have one that they treated like preseason game number four. Mm-hmm. So not only is there only three preseason games, but there is that break after the third one over Labor Day weekend where there's no football at all. So mm-hmm. I think this is still a feeling out process of every coach is kind of looking at it a little bit differently. Yep, and it's less opportunity for those guys to fight for those last spots and those yeah. uh, those those practice squad spots. And I think it's probably easier for team to teams to hide players and stash players on the practice squad because they don't have that fourth preseason game where someone might stand out and catch the eye of another GM that needs a fifty third man that might you know snag you off of waivers. I think it's a lot easier to get through get guys through waivers this year. And the cut down day is all at once this year too, so right. everyone's going on the waivers at the same time rather than before when they would have, you know, the tiered cut system. I used to do the the pro personnel side, you know, with the Browns, and I can't imagine what a flood that is that day is, oh, my God, there's seven guards that might be better than our worst guard. You know, what, do we want them or not? Pick them up. I don't yeah. know. I mean, it must be just bonkers. And I think you said that perfectly is I think and there's also bigger practice squad since COVID. I think it is easier to keep your own after they get cut. At BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL on Twitter. Drop a question in the comments on YouTube if you want to get involved in our weekly mailbag. What teams, what players do you want to hear about from preseason football? And, of course, Matt and I have you covered every day for the entire league right here. Peacock and Williamson.